Welcome once again to our assembly today. And uh, if you were here yesterday, you know that we are in the middle of our Insights Seminar. I want to take just a second to, uh, to thank Barry Newton and the adult education team for all the work and all the prep and all the things that needed to be done to pull this off. It's been a blessing. Let's show them a Mac. Thank you. As you know, the theme this year is the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we are going to go into an all-church study of the Gospel of Mark. I'll be preaching through Mark. Uh, March, April, and May, all of our adult classes and uh, high school student ministry classes will be going through the Gospel of Mark as well. And we always use this weekend, the last weekend in January, as kind of a build-up. We bring in somebody that can not only pr uh, prime the pump a little bit, but also challenge our thinking and our, our minds when it comes to a particular book of the Bible. This year, again, it's going to be the Gospel of Mark. And I'm so blessed, as I know you are uh, that we have Bruce McClarty here with us. Uh, if you don't know Bruce, uh, Bruce has, has been a, a, a professor, a dean, a vice president, and, and president of one of our universities, Harding University. Uh, he is the minister in residence at Freed Hardeman right now throughout his entire life and ministry life. He has been preaching and involved with students, involved with people, and if you've heard him speak before, you know that he has a tremendous love for God and for God's people and to call people into discipleship and to follow Jesus with their life. And uh, so he is going to be preaching this morning to us. I'm going to pray for him in just a second, and then he is going to break open the word of God to us. And then this afternoon over in the fellowship hall, we're going to meet at 3 and at 4.30 to continue our study of the gospel of Mark this this weekend so bruce please come up as i pray for you father we are so grateful that you hold us in your light at all time we are grateful that you speak your word to us we are grateful father that you have given us eyes to see and ears to hear and we are most grateful for the word that you spoke into a human into the life of jesus who not only has loved us, but has lived among us, and who lived a life that we should have lived and has died the death that we all should experience in order that we get his life. And for this, we are eternally grateful, Father. And we are thankful for men like Bruce who are able to tell us about Jesus in such ways that deepen our understanding that create curiosity in us to know more, but more than anything else, to follow him with all that we are. I pray, Father, that you bless Bruce in this next half hour. Give him, Father, strength and give him wisdom and discernment. We pray this in the name of Jesus and everyone said. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much for the kind introduction. I am kind of struck. This is the second time I've been introduced this morning, and they talk about how he's uh, held all these different jobs. And uh, if you're a visitor, it sounds like this guy can't keep a job. Uh, <laughs> I am delighted to be here, and I am, I am so impressed by what you do here and the Insight Seminar and just the way a church plants itself in a section of the text and works together and, uh, and just 
returns to the Word of God again and again. And I commend you for that, and I, I'm blessed to be a part of that uh, this weekend. I want to speak today on I'm Afraid. It's a universal sort of an experience. It's something that wherever I go, if, if I'm talking about the subject of fear, I know that every single person I'm, I'm looking into the eyes of is dealing with this very subject, and they're dealing with it right now. It's a universal thing. After I'd preached for the college church for 14 years in Searcy, uh, I went across the street and worked for the university, and a few months later I was asked to come back and, uh, and deliver a sermon. And I decided I would, I would preach the sermon on something that I was teaching in the classroom in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, there's this neat little feature that on three different occasions, the Lord speaks to Paul and says, don't be afraid. And I find a lot of comfort in that because if Paul needed to hear that, I know that Bruce needs to hear that. And it's something that is absolutely universal. So in the time that I had been gone from the pulpit at the college church, they'd gotten a new sign at church, a lighted sign out in front of the building. They've since gotten another one, but they, the, at that one was the first time we were able to put messages out there. The preacher asked me what my sermon was going to be on. I was in the middle of something that day, and so I just told him what it was going to be about. Those three times the Lord speaks to Paul and says, don't be afraid. And so I, I didn't think any more of it went about my work. Sunday came, I preached my sermon, and as people were leaving the parking lot, a good friend of mine stopped and took a picture of this sign. And this is what people had been seeing all week long. as they drove back and forth in front of, of the, uh, the church building. And I think that for people who didn't know me, they were thinking, should we be? Or why should we be? Or I wonder if he like leads a prison gang or something like that. Do not be afraid. Repairs constantly in, in Scripture. Have you heard yourself, have you heard yourself saying lately, I'm... I'm afraid of, or I'm afraid that. The text that was read just a moment ago, the very end of it says that the women were confused and they were shaking with fear so that they left the tomb and they ran away. And they did not tell anyone about what had happened because they were afraid. Jesus has risen from the dead now and they have encountered the empty tomb. And they are afraid. And it's something that is absolutely a universal human experience. Universal. In something that today as we gather here, we gather in faith, but we are people who constantly are battling fear. As was mentioned, I was a university president for about seven years. And in my first year as president, I, I heard myself saying something that I realized I've got to quit saying that. I found that, that I was saying an awful lot. I was beginning sentences with the words, I assumed that. I assumed that everybody understood what I meant. I assumed that someone was assigned to take care of that. I, I, I assumed that, and it goes on and on and on. And I began to hear myself. You know how sometimes you can hear yourself repeating things that you aren't 
work before where you were repeating. I was saying I assumed that a whole lot. And whatever came after I assumed that was bad. It was going in the ditch. It was something that didn't work. It was something I should have handled differently. And so I, I tried to discipline myself not to say I assumed that. Second year, I had been to a lot of conferences by that time, a lot of trips to Washington, D.C. and Chicago, and meeting with our accreditors or meeting with the independent college's um, president's meetings, uh, meeting with the Council of Christian Colleges and Universities, meeting with just a lot of different folks, constantly hearing about new federal regulations, the NCAA, you know, the, the rules that are coming down uh, the road that deal with our athletic program, and all of these things. And as, as I was going to all of those meetings, I began to hear myself say something that I didn't like. I began to hear myself saying a whole lot more than I wanted to be guilty of saying, I am afraid that. There are all kinds of things happening, all kinds of fears on the horizon, all kinds of things that could fall apart. And I, I heard myself, as a Christian man, I heard myself saying way too much, I'm afraid that. And I thought, as people who live in faith, that's not the way I ought to be talking. It's something that I need to get out of my vocabulary. I'm afraid that. So today we want to deal with something of our fears. How frequently do you find yourself saying, I am afraid that? Fear is one of the major themes in the Gospel of Mark. And I want us to drop down in the text a number of places. And Mark is, as we read the Gospel of Mark, it's sort of like me hearing myself saying, I'm afraid that. As we read the Gospel of Mark, you realize Mark says a lot about fear. He tells the story and it involves a whole lot of fear. But there is an interesting thing. It's not just a message where he's saying, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. It is interesting what causes people to fear. And so this morning I'd like for us to first of all drop down in chapter 4 beginning with verse 35. Mark 4 and verse 35. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm, and he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And verse 41, this is the one I want to jump at, out at you today. And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? In verse 38, we had seen that they were absolutely terrified of drowning. 
The storm was beating against the boat. They thought this was the end for them. Don't you care that we're perishing? They were afraid of the storm. Everybody in here has probably at some time or other been afraid of a storm. And they were terrified. And then Jesus says, peace, be still. And all the noise and all the tossing, all the water, all of a sudden, it stops. And it's calm. And notice in the text that there's a greater fear than the fear of the storm. That after the storm is calmed, they are terrified now because they are in the presence of someone who is greater than what they feared. They were terrified of the storm, but they were now realizing they were standing in the presence. They were in the boat in the presence of someone who could speak to a storm. And just like that, the storm was calm. So they were afraid of the storm. They were more afraid of the one who was Lord of the storm. Chapter 5, Jesus goes over to the other side of the sea and the, to the country of the Gerizines. And when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. This is something that is, it's a horror movie. It's like a monster here that the, the people here had, had lived with this man in the vicinity of this man who had this unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart. He broke the shackles in pieces, and no one had strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran up and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. The man is possessed by this unclean spirit, by these unclean spirits. And he, he's, he's a monster. He's totally out of control. There was nothing they could do to bind him. He comes to Jesus and he wails at him. Would you be afraid? I would have. I would have, been, I would have been stepping to the back of the crowd. I would have been wanting to watch this from afar. And the people are afraid of what's going on in the unclean spirit. And could you get it? And all kinds of horrible questions. Jesus then casts the demons out of legion and they go into the herd of swine and the swine run down the hill and into the into the sea and they are drowned and the people who were the herdsmen watching over the swine they run back into the city and out from the city come the people they just heard this incredible incredible story it wasn't the incredible story of the man possessed by an unclean spirit they knew that story they lived around that story but the text says the herdsmen fled, verse 14, and told it in the city and the country, and the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And what's the next thing that's said in the text? What's their response? They come, and they're seeing floating pigs out in the sea. 
their, their herds are dead. This man who was so crazy, and this man cutting himself and breaking chains, they see him clothed, sitting in his right mind. And Mark records, and they were relieved. No. What does the text say? They were afraid. As frightening as what they had seen with Legion had been, they are now in the presence of someone, in the presence of someone who has power that's greater than the power that had been in Legion. And the things that had terrified them before, this man here, this calm man, this peaceful man, this man that's seated, he is, he is next to Legion who is clothed and seated and in his right mind. And they are afraid. They're seeing something there. They, they have the spiritual awareness to realize this man has more power than what was at work in that man. And they trembled. And they were afraid. There was a story later in chapter 5, beginning in verse 25, that there is this, this woman who had this discharge of blood for 12 years. She had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and she was no better. As a matter of fact, the text says she was getting worse. She had heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch his garment, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she had been healed of her disease. Jesus immediately perceived that power had gone out from him. And he said, who touched me? And the disciples think, that is a laughable question. You're in the middle of a crowd. People are pushing you from every direction. And you ask, who touched me? But Jesus knew that this woman touched him in a different way. She was looking for something. It was a touch of a prayer. And she had touched him and she was healed. And Jesus says, and who touched me? And the woman realized that she perceived that, that he knew what she had done. Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned to the crowd, who touched my garments? When the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she came in fear. She came in fear. This woman was chronically ill. She had spent everything she had trying to get well. Nobody could do a thing for her. She just, this, this sickness defined her life. It was, it was something that just made her absolutely miserable. And now, now, just like that, it's gone. So how do you feel? There are a lot of ways you could feel. The text says that she was afraid. She realized that the power that had made her life so miserable, that she had touched one who was bigger than that who was more powerful than the disease, someone who, could, who reigned over the things that she had most feared, and now she didn't fear that as much as she did the one who had just made her well. She came in fear and trembling and came and fell down before him. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace 
and be healed of your disease. So the woman was desperate to be healed, but it was when she saw what had happened to her that she came in fear and trembling. Are you starting to get the idea? Do you see what Mark's telling us over and over again? People are terrified out of their minds about things. Jesus fixes it, and then that fear is replaced by awe and a reverence for someone who is bigger than any of the bad things that can happen in our life. There was fear on the mountain. Peter, James, and John got a glimpse of the transfigured Jesus. And when they saw the transfigured Jesus, the text says in chapter 9 and verse 6, it says that they became terrified. Terrified. And I want to go back to the text that we began with today. The text that was, that was coming from the, the resurrection story in the Gospel of Mark. And there's a note in your Bibles. A lot of you uh, we'll have a note at the bottom of, of chapter 16 and verse 8, and it will talk about how there's just a lot of discussion about uh, where did the Gospel of Mark actually end, because the manuscripts are different, and what do we do about it? And I'm not here to talk about the manuscripts and all of that, and I think we just need to give each other a whole lot of patience on this subject. But one of the things that people ask is, if, if as the notation in your Bible indicates, that one of the possibilities is that Mark ended with chapter 16 and verse 8. And one of the objections to that is it leaves the story hanging. But after what you and I have just seen, maybe it's not such a terrible thing if the last verse is, and they went out and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid." And that verse kind of invites you and me into the story. And it says, they have just seen the empty tomb. They've just witnessed the power of the resurrection. They don't know what to do with all of this. And they are wondering and they are in awe. And what is their response? It's the response we see all the way through the Gospel of Mark. People live in fear. Absolutely live in terror at times. But when we see Jesus, when we see Jesus, when we see Him for who He is and what He is and what He can do, when we clearly see Jesus, we see a power that is greater than all the other stuff that we fear. And we have found that those who went before us, who walked with Jesus and were healed by Jesus, and who saw the empty tomb of Jesus, that the response that they have is, oh, now I, now I see that wasn't something to fear so much. I tremble at the presence of him who can fix it all. Amen. Fix it all. And this morning, what happens in this church when we come together and we gather before the text here in Mark and we, 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 we see the, the things that they were up against and we think of the things we're up against, but, but we see that the people who went before us, when they saw Jesus do what Jesus did, that's when they were really afraid. Or in some of these texts, it says, and then they feared a great fear. Then they were really frightened 
because Jesus had power over all. When we see Jesus for who he is and what he does, when we see Jesus clearly, all other fears go away. Jesus is bigger than anything we're terrified by. I mentioned that I heard myself saying way too much, I'm afraid that. Well, you think you've said that this last week? Have you been in a conversation where you've wallowed in fear? Have you spent time fearing stuff that ended up just being wasted time? I have, a, I have a, a, an assignment for you as a carry away from, from this message today. I encourage you that the next time you hear the word, I'm afraid, come out of your mouth, that you do this, that you take some time in the quiet away, take a piece of paper and write out the things that I'm afraid of, the things that I fear. It may be health stuff. It may be family stuff. It may be national stuff. It may be fear of death. It may be fear of certain kinds of illness. It, it could be all kinds of things. I, I, think, I think we probably could fill up a few whiteboards right here, right now, if I said, okay, tell me what you're afraid of. And we just start writing that down. And then over beside every one of those things, I encourage you to write the name of Jesus. And think about Jesus as he relates to illness. To think about Jesus as it relates to death. To think about Jesus as it relates to failure. To think about Jesus as it relates to money. To think about Jesus as it relates to any of the things that come out of my mouth that I'm afraid of. And I believe that we will find, as we find in the Gospel of Mark, that fear goes away when we utter the name of Jesus. Because Jesus has power over all of these things. I thank God for the Gospel of Mark. And I thank God for, for, for telling us about these people and all the fears that they had. And I thank God that the message is there that, that Jesus is bigger than all these fears. This morning as we extend the invitation of Jesus, it's, it's always a great time. It's always the perfect time to come and to find the renewal that is found in Christ. And this morning, if, if you have a burden that's on your back that you need to bring before the church, if you are ready right now to deal with the fear of sin and death, to, fear, to deal with the ultimate fears, and to come to the Lord who is Lord of all and who died for us, and who offers us salvation, and you're ready to come in repentance and faith today, whatever you're afraid of goes right out the door because Jesus is bigger than it all. And Jesus' love is bigger than all those things that make life so miserable. Isn't it great news? Isn't it a wonderful message? And won't you respond to this message if you need to, by coming to become a Christian or bringing a burden before your church family as we stand and sing.